Please let's take our seats in the presence of the Lord. As I told those who came in the first service, the Lord has been teaching me and rebuking me and chastising me on some things that he wants me to do. First in my home and then to the other children that he has given, the spiritual sons and daughters and adopted ones that he has given me. Today, I'm, this afternoon, I'm talking on the subject, Raising the Rechabites. And we are going to read the word of the Lord together that he gave to his servant Jeremiah in Jeremiah chapter 35. So please open your Bibles to Jeremiah chapter 35. And let's read the word of the Lord together. We are going to read all of them. The word which came unto Jeremiah from the Lord in the days of Jehoiakim, the son of Josiah, king of Judah, saying, Go unto the house of the Rechabite and speak unto them, and bring them into the house of the Lord, into one of the chambers, and give them wine to drink. Then I took Jazaniah, the son of Jeremiah, the son of Habazinah, and his brethren, and all his sons, and all and the whole house of the Rechabites. And I brought them into the house of the Lord, into the chamber of the sons of Hanan, the sons of Igadalia, a man of God, which was by the chamber of the princes, which was above the chamber of Messiah, the son of Shalom, the keeper of the door. And I sat before the sons of the house of Rechabites, pots full of wine and cups, and I said unto them, Drink ye wine. But they said, We will drink no wine. For Jonadab, the son of Rechab, our father, commanded us, saying, Ye shall drink no wine, nor your sons forever. But they Neither shall ye build house, nor sow seed, nor plant vineyard, nor have any. But in all your days ye shall dwell in tents, that ye may live many days in the land where ye be strangers. Thus have we obeyed the voice of Jonadab, the son of Rechab, our father, in all that he hath charged us to drink. He has charged us, sorry, to drink no wine all our days. We, our wives, our sons, nor our daughters. And to build house, nor to build houses for us to dwell in. Neither have we vineyard, nor field, nor seed. But we have dwelt in tents, and have obeyed, and done according to all that Jonadab, our father, commanded us. But it came to pass when Nebuchadnezzar, Nebuchadrezzar, king of Babylon, came up into the land that we said, come and let us go to Jerusalem for fear of the army of the Chaldeans and for fear of the army of the Syrians. So we dwell at Jerusalem. Then came the word of the Lord unto Jeremiah saying, the words of Jonadab, the son of Rechab, that he commanded his sons not to drink wine are performed. For unto this day they drink none, but obey their father's commandment. Notwithstanding, I have spoken to you, rising early and speaking, but he hearkened not unto me. I have sent also unto you all my servants the prophets, rising up early and sending them, saying, Return ye now every man from his evil way, and amend your doings, and go not after other gods to serve them. And ye shall dwell in the land where I have given to you and to your fathers. But ye have not inclined your ear nor hearkened unto me. But the sons of Jonadab, the son of Rechab, have performed the commandment of their father, which he commanded them. But these people have not hearkened unto me. Therefore, thus says the Lord God of hosts, the God of Israel, Behold, I will bring upon Judah and upon all the inhabitants of Jerusalem all the evil that I have pronounced against them. 
Because I have spoken unto them, but they have not heard. And I have called unto them, but they have not answered. And Jeremiah said unto the house of Rechabite, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, Because ye have obeyed the commandment of Jonadab, your father, and kept all his precepts, and done according unto all that he had commanded you. Therefore, thus saith the Lord God of hosts, the God of Israel, Jonadab, the son of Rechab, shall not want a man to lack before me forever. Amen. Other version says, shall not lack a man to stand before me forever. Amen. Some Bible scholars believe that the Rechabs, the Rechabites, were amongst some of the people who left Egypt with the Israelites onto the promised land. As you are aware, not everybody who left Egypt was an Israelite. Others who saw what their God was doing decided to identify with them and then they left to them. And if you know very well the culture of those in Middle Eastern Europe and some other cultures, wine is part of their meals. So it's not like us that when you drink, you think that you have sinned. That is why God will judge all of us differently. Amen. In some places, wine is, is part of their meals. Every meal, Italian, Spanish, French, you have wine. Middle East, you have wine. But in Israel, they did not drink wine because their father has told them that they shall not drink wine. And he has told even how to live and how to work. Because if you, if you, you go and have a vineyard, then you are likely to press it into wine. So don't do that. Go and be a shepherd. Do something else that will not bring temptation your way. And the Lord was sad that he, God, who made all things, had increasingly, persistently by himself and through his servants, spoken to the people of Judah and to Israel, and they had not hearkened unto them, unto him. So he, he blessed the Rechabites and said, all the days of your life, as long as I am God, you find favor with me. And you have men and women who stand in my presence. Amen. As I said earlier, we are talking about raising the Rechabites. So now we'll go to the Shammah. Deuteronomy chapter 6. Verse 4 to 9. The word of the Lord says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, and with all thy soul, and with all thy might. And these words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart. And thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children and shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thy house and when thou walkest by the way and when thou liest down and when thou risest up. And thou shalt bind them for a sign upon thy hand and thou shalt and they shall be as frontless between thy eyes. And thou shalt write them upon the post of thy house and on thy gates. Amen. And then we'll go again to Psalm 127 verse 3. David says that, Lo, children are an heritage, an heritage of the Lord. And the fruit of the womb is his reward. Amen. And then Proverbs chapter 13 verse 20. Twenty-two, sorry. A good man or a righteous man liveth an inheritance to his children's children. And the wealth of the sinner is up for, is laid up for the just. Amen. We are going to talk about sons and daughters. How does the Lord want us to raise our sons and our daughters? How are we raising them in a manner that God gives us thumbs up every day? How are we raising them 
in a manner that we as parents have lost favor with the Lord. Somebody might say that, I don't have children. Yes. You may not have biological children, but you have spiritual children. Yes. We have spiritual sons and daughters. Who has spiritual sons and daughters? If you are here and you don't have a spiritual sons and daughter, please adopt one. God did not make us for ourselves. He doesn't bless us to be a blessing only to ourselves and our own, but to be a blessing unto others. Amen. Who has adopted sons and daughters? You, they are spiritual sons who you have now brought into your home. You don't have any. Okay. Who is yet to have a child? No hands. Please, you are not wearing sleeveless like me. Raise it. All right. So this word is for us as parents and as guardians and as parents who we are yet to become by the grace of God. Amen. To raise Rechabites takes a lot. But all that we need to raise them, the Lord has made available. And it is for us to school ourselves to do this. In Proverbs chapter 13 verse 22. Usually, when we say that a righteous man leaves an inheritance for his children's children, the inheritance that we think of are usually physical things. Houses, building, financial wealth. Things that are tangible. That we can can attest that this man is very rich. And he left his daughter this and left his son that. Amen. But today, we'll look at it another way. We are going to look at the intangible things, but that which becomes tangible in the long end. We are going to look at the supernatural inheritance that we live. Spiritual inheritance. Attitudinal inheritance. The, the inheritance that causes God to be formed in us. Amen. But as you know, you cannot give what you don't have. You can only leave an inheritance if you are a possessor of an inheritance. So the first question we must ask ourselves is, do I have an inheritance? And if I have, who am I living it to? How secure is my inheritance that it can outlive me? It cannot leave my sons and my daughters to generations unborn. Because these principles of God that we will look at, some of which of course we know already, are to help us first and foremost to have an inheritance if we don't and to maintain the inheritance. Because you can give your sons and your daughters all the, the wealth, the inheritance, the wealth, but if they don't know how to protect it, they don't know how to maintain it, it might die two years or three years after your, your death. It wouldn't even get to their children. And as the scripture says, children's children. Amen. The first inheritance that we as children of God, as guardians that the Lord has called forth to raise succeeding generations is an inheritance of faith. What we believe in. What do we believe in? And how are we impacting it? If we are Christians, then of course it goes without saying that the first inheritance we leave with our sons and our daughters is that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. John 14 verse 6. For the Lord himself said that I am the way, the truth, and the life. And then it tells us again in Acts chapter 4 verse 12. There is, no, there is no salvation in any other. There is no name under heaven given amongst men that will be saved except the name of Jesus. And then Paul again says in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 verse 3 to 4. He says, for I delivered to you first of all, all that which I also received. That Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. And that he was buried. And that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. 
If the first point of call is our faith, then I will ask us another question. Are our children saved? There is a difference between coming to church and being saved. We can come to church all we want and we are still not saved. Our names are nowhere written in the Lamb's book of life. And usually we know when we are saved and when we are not. But it is our responsibility to ask and to find out whether our children are saved or not. And if they are saved, at what level of maturity are they? It is our responsibility to do what I call the three Ds. That to to help them discover their faith. The faith that we have found in Christ Jesus. To help them develop that faith. And to deepen it. That their work with God will be much better and more beautiful than ours. We take it for granted that children will go to heaven. There is no certainty with that. The word of the Lord is clear. He is the way, the truth, and the life. And if you are not on it, you're on your way to hell. And people who have had near-death experience or who have died and gone to hell and come back will say that they saw children in hell. If you are saved and your child is not saved, the Lord will ask of you. Psalm 127 verse 3 says, They are inheritance, no? They are gifts from God to us. If they are gifts, then we will account for it when we close our eyes in death. What account will you give? Just imagine that you make heaven and you can't find any of your children there. And you see them in hell suffering. I don't know if it's possible to cry in hell, in heaven. I don't know how you would feel. To find your sons and daughters in, in, in hell. And the work with God is such that in giving our faith, it is a gradual process that we drop in our seats. We drop in the seats. We drop in the seats daily, not despairing, not giving up until we are certain that our children are saved. That responsibility is first to us. We are our sons and our daughters' first point of evangelism. Because the Lord gave them to us. When was the last time you told them about the love of God? When was the last time you had a tete-a-tete to know how their work with God is going? When they come from church, do we just eat red, red and it's over? Because you see, the Sunday school teacher doesn't have so much time with the child. It's only on Sundays. And even that one hour, that one hour, people are going to pee, they are drinking water. That one hour, they are teaching, people are pinching themselves, fighting. This same teacher is stopping people from, stop fighting, stop talking. It is our responsibility. Amen. Because if we look carefully at those who raised their sons and their daughters and gave their faith to them, that continued. How come that among Jacob's sons, Sam's name cannot be found? Reuben's name cannot be found. How come that Reuben Simon Levy, the calling left Reuben, left Simon and went to Levy? How come that Judah was the one who was chosen for the Messiah to come through? Could it be that they did not heed the voice of their father? Could it be that he talked and they did not hear? It happens. Because this is a teacher-student relationship. And some children will listen, others will not listen. But whether they listen or not, we have to fight this fight to the end. So that like Samuel, the charge is not laid at our door. That we do not raise our sons and our daughters after the heart of God. The second thing is that we have to teach them 
like the Rechabites, to surrender totally and daily to the lordship of Jesus Christ. And to the teachings and promptings of the Holy Spirit. When we make our confession prayer, our sinner's prayer, we say that be my Lord and my personal savior. But we make him our savior whilst we are the Lord. Whilst we call the shots. He must be Lord and he must be Lord every day. He must be Lord and he must be Lord in the decisions that they take. In the things that they do. Because it is when his lordship is securely established over them. That the covering of God comes upon them. Psalm 91. He that dwelleth in the secret place of the most high. Shall what? Abide under the shadow of the almighty. And who is our rock? Jesus. Who's covering? The covering of the Lord. It is the submission to the lordship of Jesus and to the authority and the relationship of the Holy Spirit that we are able to exercise our authority as sons and daughters of God. James chapter 4 verse 7. It says what? We should submit ourselves to the authority of God. And when we resist the devil, he will flee. So there must be submission there first and foremost. We must impact our faith to our sons and daughters because heaven and hell is real. We must lay the seed of eternity in their hearts. That now when they do things and they think things, it will not only be earthly bound, but eternal bound. But for us to lay the seeds of eternity in them, we must first and foremost be walking on that path. We must be eternity bound. I receive, I receive. Yes, it's good that we receive. But after we have received all, what do we do with them? The things that we must receive the most must be the things that are eternal. The way we raise them must be raising them to have eternity in mind. Because you see, you see a big tree. Old leaves fall, so do new leaves. We all pray that we will have 70 years and more. But we know that children die. And adults also die. So if we go to sleep and the Lord calls them, it's not the enemy. The Lord calls them and they go. Will you be at peace? Would you know that you prepare them? Or now you'll be wondering and crying, God, show me if my child is in heaven or hell. You have no influence on that decision. The influence we can exercise is now how we raise them in the fear of God. We must teach them to fear God. We must teach them to honor God. That they don't talk anyhow. Even You know the Lord said we shouldn't call his name in vain. So everything they say, hey, you know how we say ready in vain all the time. Oh my God, oh my God. Sometimes they say, oh my God, oh my. I said, what do you want the Lord to do for you? He said, oh, nothing. I said, why then did you call him? Because he said, call on me. And I what? Once you call God, he's present. Once you say, oh my God, he's present to listen to you. But if you called him just because in the movies and everybody said, oh my God, oh my God. So you are also, oh my God, mm-mm. you have called his name in vain. Amen. Let's help them to work out their own salvation with fear and trembling. Let us also make time to teach them the word of God. And here I say make time. Because we all know that we can be busy, busy, busy. But you see, we can make ourselves available to what La Liga. To watch the EPL. Then we can also make ourselves available to teach them the word of God. When we raise our sons and our daughters well, when they are grown up, we just rest. We are not going up and down to prayer camps. Because one is smoking weed. 
One is in prison, has impregnated this, has done all manner of things. And they put our gray hair quickly to the grave. Because we know we have done it. You look at people who have raised their sons and their daughters in the fear of God. How things are just moving. There is peace all around about. Because God honors those who honor him. When we teach them the word of God, it enables them to walk right with God. And secure them a place in hell. They know what God hates and what God likes. All you do is ask them, this thing that you did, is it right? So sometimes they will justify it too. Some of them are courageous. Eh, but, but she also slapped me and me too I knocked. Or me too I insulted. Or he hit me first, so I also fought. But then you come in with the word that the servant of the Lord must not quarrel. In the past, I didn't understand my husband. Somebody beat him. Let him beat him some. He'll come home. I said, so what did you do? Ah, you let him beat you. But my husband started to say, no, that is not our way. He said, it's the way of the world. A servant of the Lord. That is, I think, First Timothy 2.22 or 23. The first time I saw that scripture, I said, this scripture has worried me. A servant of the Lord must not quarrel. I must be patient with all people. Amen. I will be kakrana. It must be patient with all people. When we teach them the word of God, it prospers them. Joshua chapter 1 verse 8 and 9. For it says, this book of the Lord shall not depart from your mouth. So when you meditate on it, and when you do whatever is written, you become prosperous and you have good success. Amen. Then another principle is that we teach them that fasting and prayer is what separates servants from sons. That Jesus, the son of God, was able to exercise authority and manifest the fullness of God's power because he spent time in prayer. He spent time in prayer. Although he did not fast much. Because you know that once they ask him, why is that your, John, John's people, they are always fasting and praying. Your people, they don't fast. He says, can, the, when the bride is with the bridegroom, can he be fasting? No, but it is only when the bridegroom goes. But at least he taught them that this kind goes out only with fasting and prayer. And we should pray for our children. It is important. That as young as they are, and even when they grow they are adults. We should always be their first intercessor. Praying for them. We should be the one that they will come with their problems to pray for them. And we should also pray with them when they are growing up. Gradually, gradually, they will pick up. Amen. Again, they will pray and are like, hey, you pray like that? You have done well. But when we don't, every day is our father. Our father. Every day, our it's as soon as I pray, or they will say school prayer. Bless our meals, oh Lord. Yeah, la, 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 la. Amen. But as you pray and you lead them more and enforce the will of God upon their lives, they grow and they become better prayer warriors. We should teach them the importance of praise and worship and dance. How to worship the Lord of gladness. How to dance unto the Lord like David danced. So we should stop being robots in the house of God. And even in our own homes. Church, we don't dance. Home, we don't dance. Where do we dance? If we don't go to this, go to. Or we take control of people's outdooring and parties. Let's teach them that it pleases the Lord and it honors him when we praise him, when we worship him and we dance unto the Lord. For that is David's strategy for warfare. Amen. We should teach them the relevance of water baptism and Holy Ghost baptism. For we, when we know how to speak in the, in tongues, we speak in mysteries and many wonderful things happen as we pray. Because he who understands and knows the heart and the will of the Father is interceding on our behalf. For we know not how to pray. I think Romans chapter 8 verse 26 and 27. But it says, but the Spirit maketh intercession for us. In groanings that cannot be answered. That cannot be altered, sorry. And then we teach them the prayers, the importance of dreams and visions. 
that it's important that as a, as a servant of God that you dream. For God speaks to us in dreams and in visions that they should also desire the giftings of the Holy Ghost. One other thing is that their bodies are the temple of God. So they should keep it. They should keep it pure from sin. They should keep it by taking good care of it. Good grooming is important to God. Check the Leviticus. He told the priest how they should look. Even the panty they should wear. The fabric they should use. And how when they come out of his presence, they have to go and bathe and change into something else. So if your son or your daughter's mouth is smelling, take care of it. If it is their armpit, you are, you know. All you are doing is, we don't If it's affecting you, it's affecting his or her relationship outside the house too. So let's take care of it. Let's tell them that dating and courtship will come at the right time. Amen. Usually they are in a hurry. The girls, they want to put makeup. I have given a silly in my heart. I said 18 years of age. My daughter said, when I turn 18. Said, mommy, the makeup on my face. I said, you can put red, gold, green, green, blue, orange. You will look like a caricature. <laughs> Amen. Let's have family principles. And, it's, and, and I must say that as parents, we must agree on these things. We must be of the same mind on how to raise them. But if one person is doing it and the other is destroying it, then there's a problem. Your daughter is 12, 13, putting on makeup, forgetting that she's already made her hair. So if her breast is developing, she's getting hips, and now she has makeup, what you are saying that she's available and ready. And people will hit on her even in church. Do you have an amen? Yes, so even in church, they will be hitting on them. So we should let them carry themselves well. Amen. Another thing too is that serving God is a privilege. Serving others also is a privilege. It's a position of honor that we shouldn't take it for granted at all. In the past, you had to be a Levite to serve God. Can you imagine? If you are not a Levite, you want to sweep God's house. You say you cannot sweep. You want to carry a baller. You say you cannot carry a baller. But thank God for Jesus. A gift too marvelous for words. So now we can do everything in the house of God to honor him and to honor others. Let our children know that we love them. Why? Tell them, I love you. I appreciate you. I love the way you look. I, this dress, you look fantastic. In fact, you make this dress come to life. But we don't let them know that we love them. We don't let them know how much we cherish them. Every day complaints. Every day we are complaining about them at home. Even to their aunties, their uncles. Have they brought their house matter to you? But you are taking your house matter to them. Let us tell them we love them. Let us celebrate their, their uniqueness. And stop comparing them with their siblings. It breeds division. It breeds jealousy. It breeds enmity that you cannot control in the future. Every child is unique just like you. And God made them unique. If their sister can sit down, but as for them, they have special grace to run around. Let them run. They might be an usher today. We need ushers to run around. Amen. If they are intelligent academically, but this person is not doing so well academically, their giftings may lie in their hands. And now people who have their own companies, they earn much more than those who work for others. So let's celebrate their uniqueness and rather guide them and encourage them and not force them to be who they are not. Let's show them gratitude when they do things for us. Let's bless them intentionally. Tell them, God bless you. When you pray for them, bless them. In the morning as they go out, bless them. As you do these things, they learn. You, they do things in the house. Oh, thank you. You swept this place well. You mean why you know this place was not well swept? 
but at least you are encouraging them. When you start nagging, next time they they will sweep everything under the bed. But you say, oh, you did so well, oh, hey, you've done well. Ah, how did you sweep? This one, special grace, oh. Hey, but it looks like there is baller here, Kakra. <laughs> This morning I did it to somebody. Ah, some for some strange reason, some people don't like creamy in my house. <laughs> somebody says that I cream that they look like f- fried fish. <laughs> so she dressed so well. So, oh, you are looking fly. Hey, this girl. But I said, hey, you're like, said, oh, mommy, and you are going to say that. I said, but let me cream you so your skin will look good. So let the criticisms be, be less than the praises. It will boost up their their self-esteem. And another principle is that we will teach them that having the right attitude is everything. Having the right attitude in life is everything. They should wake up every morning with a smile on their face. They should rejoice in God's goodness. They should not wait until something good or what we term as something good happens. God is good every day. Happiness does not rest with another. It rests with them. For the commandment to be joyous every day is for all of us. He said rejoice. Again I say to you rejoice. He says this is the day that I have made. And I command you to rejoice in it. Let's teach them to be grateful for the big and the small. The little things that you do for them. If today it is Coco Sakura, let them be thankful for it. For some people have not eaten Coco Sakura in a week. Show them Somalian children's pictures. War zone children. And then when they start complaining, everyday rice, everyday rice, remind them. You remember the Somalian children? If they had this rice, they would do praise and worship. Let's teach them how to be forgiven with their friends as they play and they are offended. With even with you. For he who has an unforgiving spirit puts themselves in a bondage. Their lies does not please the Lord. It is a great sign of, of hubris, of pride, when you don't forgive another. For the Lord, when he was teaching us in Luke chapter 6, he says, um, when he was teaching us a prayer, he said, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. So if your God can forgive you, who are you to hold on, on to unforgiveness? Unforgiveness will send you to hell. And that is true. Then we should teach them to lose honorably. The cholerics among them, they don't like losing. So even play, play, oh, they're already crying that they have lost. But in life, adversity comes. In life, we don't win every day. But we pick ourselves up and we run again. So if it didn't go well, tell them, oh, sorry, it didn't go well. But don't let it weigh you down. Rather, get up, do better. If they didn't do well this time in school, it is not an opportunity to remind them every morning as you give them food. In the afternoon, remind them. In the evening, when they eat and they are not full, and they come back, Mama, I'm not full. You say, eh, food, dear. <laughs> food, dear, you are not full. Anka banka, what's your class, no? Come on now. We do it, don't we? But you see, if your child is last in class, it's an error. If your child is not doing well in school, it's an error. Show me a scripture that says we will be the tail. It means that you as a parent, you are not enforcing your authority over the child. So do everything possible physically. Make time to study with the child. Homework, we don't help. PTA won't go. You won't even go to school and find out how is this child doing? You just take them and leave them. Don't you suffer to get the money to pay school fees? So let's make time to study with them. What they are saying, we don't even understand. Like once I say, ah, didn't you bring homework? 
said I brought you. I said, bring it, let me look at it. The child said, it is math too. <laughs> because I have this phobia of mathematics. And now some of the things they do, I don't even understand. So I said, ah, that one they wait for papa. <laughs> Amen. We have authority. So as you are doing the physical one, you are doing the spiritual one. When they are asleep, take your scriptures, stand upon them, and pray over their heads. Say, hey, no child out of my belly will be last. No child out of my belly will struggle. It is not the word of God. Pray and just deal with that thing. Because sometimes it's not just physical. You think that the enemy wants you to succeed. If he doesn't get you, he will attack your children. Children are doing well in school. All of a sudden, they drop. Know that there's something. Anything that looks extraordinary is extraordinary. Don't take it for granted. At first, you used to do well in school. Now, you are not doing well in school. At first, you used to be obedient. Now, you eh, No, error. Something is going on. Grab the child from that place quickly. And the Lord will honor you for it. Amen. There are too many things. And be case will come and tell me it's time. Be case I beg, don't come. Let's teach them to treat all men with respect and dignity. Let's tell them to treat people with kindness. And first, let us teach them how to be kind. By being kind to them. Be kind in our choice of words. Be kind in our attitude. Stop calling them kwasia. Stop telling them what you mean. Just be kind. Consciously, deliberately be kind. And then it will come naturally to them to be kind. For Ephesians 4.32 says, Be ye kind one to another. Tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God has forgiven you. Amen. Because you see, when you are not kind to people, sometimes to your own disadvantage, when you meet a man or a woman, don't see them just like that. See the power behind them. For oftentimes, people who carry the favor and anointing of God look ordinary. You do something against them. You know you have done something against God's, the apple of God's eye. He'll get you. But what about if you do something against someone who does not fear God? And in the evening, either they fly or they are doing things. Then in the night, you see Pepe. Amen. So they should be kind to people. They should recognize that friends are great gifts from God. They should cherish that friendship and honor their friends. For it says, a brother is born for adversity. If you don't have friends that you can trust, even as an adult, sometimes it's hard. Yes, you can talk to God, but the occasions you need that, that sisterly touch, that brotherly touch, that somebody will say, it is well. That somebody will say, I'm praying with you. I'm standing in the gap. You can, you have had friends that from well, preparatory school, people are still friends. Secondary school, people are still friends. If your child cannot keep a friend, find out why. Maybe they are the problem. It's not their friend. Because some friend, children, as young as they are, they have deadly tongues. They can insult, eh? Yes, they insult and they affect the self-esteem of their friends. So there are people that I will deliberately cut them off my child's life. I read a book of Stormy Omashen. I think everybody should read that book. It says the power of a praying parent. It says when people come to your child's life, find out what the will of God is. Maybe it is through your child that they will come to salvation. But if they are there and they will not be saved and they will bring distraction, take the sword of the Lord, cut them off. Severe them from those friendships if it will take them to hell. Because there are occasions your child was doing well until that friend came into their life. Why? Because iron sharpens iron. And the spirit world is such a mysterious thing. You may have a gift of prophecy because your friend has it. So as you pray together, the Lord just releases it onto you. Just the same way if they have the spirit of fornication, uh-huh, there will be a release. 
So why do you have to wait until it gets there? Do you know your friend's best friend in school? Do you know them? If they call somebody's name, somebody's name, at least go and find out who this person is. Oh, so you are the Kobe. Oh, it's nice. I've heard your name. Ah, Oh, it's nice. Then you start praying. You don't know where they are coming from. They go to school. They eat their food. And I had a roommate where they used to use holy water to cook food. So if they are cooking it, they go to Susun, sorry, and they are cooking, they bring it to their room. As for you, dear, everything is free. So you sit down, blessed, bless, amen. And you eat it. You are eating it to your own disadvantage, amen. We all want our children to be excellent. We all want our children to be great men and women of honor. But for them to be fit for kings, they must first be queens. And the opposite is also true. Are you raising your daughter to be a queen? That the world will applaud. Are you raising your son to be a king of distinction? Like Daniel. You see, Daniel purpose in his heart, because he has had training already, that he will not partake of the king's food. He already knew his background. He knew the law of the Lord. So God also honored him. That because you have separated yourself from the world, I will honor you. And Esther, it didn't just start with the six months grooming in, 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 in Kinahasaro's uh, compound. It started before. He said for, for his uncle Mordecai had given him, given her training and told her even not to reveal her identity. If she did not have training, first day she went to the palace, said, hey, I'm here. Hey, you people, you are also coming for the king. Ah, we are all here. Me cry, I'm a Jew. Hey. But because she had been given training, when she went, she listened to the Enoch, the advice and did everything as she was asked to. And she succeeded. Amen. And through her, salvation came to the Jews. Amen. I'm rounding up. Another thing that the Lord has been teaching me, that in raising Rechabites, we should take note that a way to a man's heart or a woman's heart is not through food. It's not through sex. It is not through money. It is first through prayer. Why? Because it is when prayer comes in that your daughter or your son can know the heart of the person they are dealing with. For men can hide things. Then when you marry, see, hey, what's surprising me, pal? When you are married, like one, somebody, I had a story that somebody got married. They went home in the evening. The, the guy took out a mat and knelt down. She took, she looked, said, ah, maybe that's how he preached. By the time she realized, Allah, Akbar. <laughs> and she said, hey, what are you doing? He said, what? Are you not a child of God? Did you pray? He said, I'm a Muslim. Will you leave or will you stay? <laughs> Prayer allows us to see men and women as they are. And then, and, and, and you know, God is good. So anytime a man or a woman comes into their lives, even when they bring the person home, because the child, your daughter is already of age or your, the daughters of, of your children are getting married or you want to have uh, something for people to come and see. So as soon as they come, hey, hey, your baby, my dear, hey, it's okay. No, you there, you are, you say, oh, good, it's good to meet you and all. But as a mother of prayer or as a father, you have to go into, because you know, when you are young, you are young. You may just look at it. Or they may say, I have prayed about it. Ah, but they have checked the guy's swaggo, checked his shoe, his mobile phone. Hey, the guy can buy KFC, Papa. 
Who does not want this one? But you have to intercede. Amen. I tell my daughters and sons, bring them home. When they come, then we do our assessment. I lift up just one prayer. Because the Bible says from the foundations of the earth, he has set everything in place. So I'll say, God, if this one is not he who is to come, or she who is to come by their sword, I cancel this relationship. Because it is not that you are going to marry or become a marriage counselor. Every day, there is boxing. Every day, Azuma and Gomez. Every day, you are being called. No, you must have peace. You must have peace when they are married. A son of mine is married and I have so much peace. If I, if I don't cry, I know everything is well. Because he married a woman who loves and fears God. And because I have also raised him right. So I've told if he gives you trouble, just call me. I'll give him fire. Amen. Then, when they are choosing mentors, because it comes to age, everybody wants a mentor outside the home. But of course, you know that you are their first mentor. Everything you do and say and speak and think is what they also do. I grew up and realized how much of an influence my mother had had on me. Hey, my mother, she can talk. I hope nobody will tell her. And she can criticize. Often, it's not anything good. But in growing up, I saw that that is how she was also raised. She didn't know any better. So one of my prayer topics is not to talk too much. Because not even the children correct you. Say, Mommy, you talk too much. And I said, a day is coming, that I will not hear my voice. <laughs> then as I started learning and started implementing it, one said, hey, Mommy, you are shocking me. Oh. So you not talk. I said, no. <laughs> I said, no. I will only talk when it's relevant. Because when we talk and talk and talk, it becomes too much. Too much noise. As soon as you start, they say, uh uh-huh, that started. And they close, they close up. You have been there before, Abby. You close up. If you have someone who tells you, you just, you are nodding, but you are not there. But we must always have access to their hearts. Amen. Then the last thing. We should deliberately make time and spend time with them. The reason why we are running up and down, or when you grow up, you run up and down. You say that it's in order to take care of your children. But if money comes in, and love does not come in, attention does not come in, nothing, you'll be a school fees father. And yet we wonder why mothers are celebrated. Oftentimes the money comes from their father. So why are mothers celebrated? Because of the warmth they bring. The tender care they bring. Because of the ambience, the way they create it. If your children fear you, it is nothing to be proud of. Yes, they should, I would rather say they should respect you. Not fear. They should be able to confide in you about everything. If that boy is giving them problems, or even they like that boy, they should be able to tell you. Mommy, I like this boy. So I asked one of my daughters, Ah, oh, it is this one. You, you like him. But I looked at him and I said, hey, yeah, it's Samuel. Then I said, what do you like about the boy? He said, ah. <laughs> and I said, okay. It's all right. They said, love is blind indeed. <laughs> ah. But she likes the person. Do we hide sad things? They can't tell us that they like somebody. That's my youngest daughter. Mm-mm. She, she's so courageous. She would tell you, as for me, I like this boy. <laughs> and I said, it's all right. It's okay to like a boy. Because when you marry, I want you to marry a man, not a woman. <laughs> I tell them, it is okay to like a boy, but just make sure that you don't do things that you are not supposed to do until the right time. We take it for granted that they are children. They know everything about sex. If your child is eight, you have not had any sexual discussion error. They know. They know everything. When they take your phone, do you know the things they Google? All the musicians that you don't know of, they know of them. I once saw on their board that they use in learning at home. 
Rihanna's songs it has been listed. Beyonce's songs has been listed. Chris Brown. I said, the Lord is good. Hey! <laughs> and I was like, hey! So I asked them, where? Because at home, they don't. School, internet, they know everything. VKC is here. They know everything there is to know. So have a conversation with them. Be, be truthful. Dance with them. Play with them. Chat with them. About nothing. You don't need to have anything to chat. But create that enabling environment that they will always have a warmth relationship with you. Know their goals and encourage them. Know their likes and dislikes and guide them. Know their fears and guide them. Some are afraid that they will not go to heaven because of the small, small stealing they have been stealing. Oh, don't tell me you didn't steal. I used to steal fish and, and meat, Papa. So, after, so that is why when all the time, when altar call is made, they, they, they raise their hands. Because they are not certain of their salvation. But you have to allay their fears and let them know that when the Lord forgives, he forgives. But then, if something happens, then they need to go back and ask for forgiveness again. Amen. So this is a process of learning for you and for the child. This is a process that calls for a lot of grace to be patient with the process. That you don't give up. You don't despair. Not all children are raised without, uh, they are raised without much difficulty. There are others that you spend more time in fasting and praying for them. Because you can see what they are doing and where it can land them to. But God's grace is available to us. Amen. Let's rise to our feet. So we are going to talk to the Lord. His word has come forth. You know the areas that you are doing well and the areas that you are not doing well. You know the areas where you are even giving your parents grief. Deliberately sometimes. Or the areas that you don't even know why you sometimes you disobey them and, and cause your mother to cry or your father to be so upset. Talk to the Lord about it. Let's bring repentance before the Lord. For the things that we have done wrong. For how we have not been deliberate in raising the sons and daughters he has blessed us with. And say, oh Lord our God, forgive us our ways. Forgive us our transgressions. Forgive us our sins. Forgive our neglect of the gifts that you have given us. And give us the grace. Uh, to, to do better. To honor you in the way we raise them. To be intentional in how we talk to them. To be intentional in how we teach them. How we love them. Give us grace to love them. Because some we were never loved. So we don't know how to love. Give us grace to love them. To stop making excuses. Why we can't do A. Why we can't love them. Why we can't be there for them. Show us ways in which we can make time for them. Show us ways in which we can groom them. We talk to them out of love and out of respect. So that they can also grow up. To honor the Lord. Now we are going to pray for Pastor Mensah Otabel and his family. As you well know, he celebrated his birthday last week. Let us thank God for his life. Let us thank God for the ministry. Let us pray that the God's grace will, be, will abound towards him. That he will prevail in every circumstance that he finds himself. Let us pray that the Lord will show himself merciful unto him and his family. That he will build a stronger and an enforced hedge of protection. Run about him, run about his family, and run about everything that concerns him. That may the he who is the lifter up of heads, lift up his head and show him his great mercy and his great kindness. In the name of Jesus. Father, we bless you. And we thank you for your goodness towards us is so enormous that your love for us is amazing. 
Hence, sometimes we even struggle to accept it and to understand it. Your word has come forth. I thank you that it has, it has, you have had your way in our lives. And through this word, you are making and changing and molding and feeling generations.